Dreams may not be able to change our reality, but they can change our perspective on that reality. They offer us a freeze frame of what's happening in our psyche right now. Sometimes dreams can show us the purpose of a current difficulty, adding meaning to our suffering, or even allowing us to see a way through that suffering to the other side. From dreams of staples in mouths to gigantic waves, flooded cars to a dream cult convention, I'll show you how to make sense of the language of dreams. Hello, and welcome to The Stuff of Dreams. I'm your host, Amy Lawson, MD, practicing pediatrician. I also have a master's degree in depth psychology, specifically in Jungian and archetypal studies. My goal is to connect you with your dreams in a more fun and meaningful way so that you can interpret the messages your unconscious is sending. So I believe that there are some dreams that comment on the past, and there are some dreams that are trying to tell what the future may hold. But I think the majority of dreams are commenting on the current moment, what's really going on inside our minds right now. They can give us information in real time on the conflicts or the imbalances or the one-sidedness that might be causing us difficulty at any one time. And so today I have four dreams for you or types of dreams that really illustrate how dream messages can give us useful real-time information and can change how we're thinking about what's going on in our lives. Big dreams often seem to come at points in our lives where we're undergoing difficulties, where we're upset or suffering somehow. And I think there's a reason for that, why they feel like they have to bring their messages at that time. One of my favorite Jung quotes is, Suffering that is not understood is hard to bear, while on the other hand, it's often astounding to see how much a person can endure when he understands the why and wherefore. So that really means that we can tolerate a lot more if we can put a purpose to our suffering, if we can understand the meaning of it. And that's what dreams are often trying to connect us with. They're trying to help us to see, to give us the perspective of why this suffering is happening or why it's necessary right now. They may also give us clues to how we get through it, how we might address it, what life's going to be like afterwards. And all of that is really giving meaning to our suffering, which, as Jung says, makes us be able to bear a lot more because we can understand why it's happening and possibly understand how we're going to grow as we get through it. Okay, so let's get to our first dream. As always, I use dreams from Reddit and only with the dreamer's permission. Here's the dream. I usually have some crazy dreams, but last night's dream has me thinking WTF. In my dream, I woke up to staples in my mouth, like in my gums and the roof of my mouth. I started pulling them out. Once done, I noticed there were some in my feet as well. I start pulling those out and then realize I only have four toes. My pinky toe had been cut off. I start pulling the staples out of my other foot and realize that my big toe was gone too. I wasn't scared or in pain. I remember thinking it was some kind of retaliation, I think, and I just remember being mad that my toes were cut off. Now's the time to pause if you'd like to try interpreting for yourself. All right, so we got staples in this dreamer's mouth and in her feet. Let's talk about those locations first. So the mouth is one of the huge ways that we communicate with the world by talking or non-verbally by smiling or laughing. It's also how we eat and derive nourishment from the world, 
how we break things down by chewing or biting and bring them into our body in a way that our body can use it for energy. And so having staples in the mouth, having foreign bodies, things there that aren't supposed to be there, mean damage to at least one of those abilities of the mouth. If you have staples in your mouth, whether or not your lips are actually stapled together or not, you're not going to be able to talk normally. You're not going to be able to communicate and connect with other people that way. Also, if you have staples in your mouth, you're not going to be able to eat normally. You're not going to be able to chew and swallow well and feed yourself and, you know, keep up your energy and your nutrition. So having staples in the mouth to me means some kind of blockage in either the ability to communicate or the ability to be nourished and take in energy. And then we have staples in the feet as well. So what do feet represent? Well, they're how we walk around in the world. They're how we stand up and keep our balance. They're how we move among people or things. Or they're what we use to drive a car if we're going further and faster. So feet are really kind of like our foundation. They're where we connect with the earth in a grounded way. And so damage to the feet hurts our ability to move around, to be able to go out and experience things, to be able to stand strong and feel our connection with the floor or the earth. And the dreamer also notices that she's lost a pinky toe from one foot and a big toe from the other foot, like they'd been cut off. And our toes are especially the parts of our feet that help us keep our balance They're the parts on the foot that actually move and flex most. And so missing toes or damaged toes affect our ability to stay upright, our ability to stand up on our own two feet, metaphorically speaking. So I think that in this dream, the damaged mouth and feet represent the fact that somewhere for the dreamer right now, she's feeling like... She doesn't have the ability to speak or communicate. She doesn't have the ability to act in the world as she wants to. Those have been damaged by these staples. And so I wonder what's going on for her right now that fits that bill. I mean, it could just be pandemic stuff, right? We're all feeling kind of isolated and like we can't move around as freely. Or it could be something you know more personal. I also think it's an interesting detail that she wasn't scared about finding these and she didn't have pain either. Whenever a dream is quite different from what would happen in reality, I think there's information there. And, you know, if this happened in real life, it would hurt a lot and it would probably really scare you. So I think that her unconscious might also be commenting on the fact that she's damaged, she's injured, but she's not feeling it. She's not allowing herself to feel scared by it or in pain from it. It's kind of like a numb feeling. So I wonder if this dream is her unconscious trying to encourage her to feel that a little bit more, giving her these stark images of damage to make her pay attention and figure out how she could take care of her mouth and her feet, metaphorically speaking, a little better. So relating this back to our theme for this episode... This dream is giving the dreamer a freeze frame snapshot of her psyche that, 
hey, it's feeling damaged right now. It feels like its ability to communicate and to move around freely in the world has been injured. And it wants the dreamer to see these wounds in mouth and feet as important foreign bodies that that she needs to try to remove so that she can grow and change and get past this suffering. And to this, she responded, After reading this, I'm kind of regretting asking. This hit home 100%, dealing with my inner voice that keeps me from being the person I want to be. I feel like I'm usually pretty good at understanding my dreams, but I couldn't figure this one out, and this interpretation runs so deep. Thank you. So it sounds like she's blaming her inner critical voices for placing those staples, for wounding her mouth and feet in ways that keep her from being and acting in the world like she wants to. Oh yes, those critical voices are quite active in many of us, or at least me. I guess I can't speak for you, but they're sure very active for me. And, you know, those critical voices do play a real role in our lives. I mean, if we never criticized ourselves or thought, how could I have done that better, we wouldn't get better at things. So in moderation, those voices are really pushing us to learn and to get better and to accomplish more. I don't think I've ever talked to a a doctor who didn't have those critical voices. It's what drove us to get the grades to get into med school and to do all the reading so that you could take really good care of your patients. Not that you have to be a doctor to have those voices, but in general, our profession is very, you know, type A controlled. And so I think we have an overabundance of them. But whenever I'm feeling particularly angry at my critical voices and wanting them to go away, my therapist reminds me that they really were adaptive and useful for me at some point, that they haven't been all bad. They have helped me to accomplish certain things. And so she uses that to try to get me to turn toward them a little bit more empathetically so that it's not just a very adversarial relationship. I'm still working on that, but yeah, I think it's a good point. All right, for this next topic, I don't have a specific dream because I read this all the time. So we're just going to talk about it generally. And that is dreams of huge ocean waves or huge tidal waves. This week's topic is about dreams giving us information about what's going on right now. And often these dreams of waves will come at certain times in people's lives or when certain things are happening. So what would a big, huge wave represent? Well, water is often the unconscious. And so when you get a wave that's bigger than usual, that's huge, that's threatening to come and drown you or sweep over your house or wherever you are, it's an image of lots of stuff coming up from the unconscious at once. It's an image of big emotions or complexes that are hard to control coming up in a powerful way and threatening to engulf you. I have a friend who has these kind of dreams frequently, and so she has started really paying attention to them because sometimes she'll have these dreams before she really realizes how worried she is about something. But she knows that they're anxiety dreams about something big coming up and threatening to overwhelm her or drown her or sweep her away. And so 
I think her unconscious has kind of trained her by sending these dreams at important times and she has been trained to listen. And so when she has these dreams, she'll think a little harder about where she might be having anxiety that she'd been pushing down and repressing and trying not to feel. And then she's able to deal with it somehow or modify it or channel it somewhere else or remove the stimulus of whatever is making her anxious. But she's able to more concretely deal with it instead of just trying to pretend it's not there. And so if you have recurring dreams like this, especially if it's dreams of big water or waves or things enveloping you, they probably are related to anxiety, and I would encourage you to keep track of them, write down when they happen, and what's been going on over the past few days, and look for a pattern, because you'll probably be able to find one eventually where these dreams seem to happen at certain times when whatever makes you most anxious is going on in your life. Now, I've had these kind of dreams too, and sometimes the wave really does get me and crash over me and scares me and washes me away and I wake up and that seems very overwhelming. But I've also had versions of the dream where I'm able to hold on to something and I can feel the huge power of the water crashing over me and then trying to pull me back, but I'm able to hold on to the dock or wherever I am and I'm able to withstand it and the water recedes again and I'm okay. And I think that's a message of, hey, yeah, this is going to be hard. Something's going to come up, but you are going to be able to anchor yourself. You are going to be able to hold on tightly enough that it's not going to sweep you out to sea. You're going to be able to stay near the land, plant your feet again, and get on with things. So when we're talking about dreams as a snapshot of current internal dynamics, the big wave motif is so common that I just wanted to be sure that we mentioned that on this episode. All right, the next dream is a little disturbing because it does contain death and some graphic images, but it's quite meaningful and I hope you'll give it a shot because the imagery in it is interesting. I feel bad saying that someone's pain and suffering is interesting, but uh, you know what I mean. Okay, here's the dream. I had this nightmare last night and it's been haunting me all day. We were on the island off the coast of my hometown, except that it was mostly undeveloped. It was just sandy, unpaved roads and reeds that were over head height. There were two men driving in a car. In the driver's seat was an evil man who didn't feel remorse. He didn't do anything bad at first, but I just had a really uneasy feeling about him. The other guy was in the passenger seat, and he was a friend of mine, although I don't know him in real life. The bad guy drove down a flooded road, filling the car with water. They were able to roll the windows down about a foot, before the controls stopped working. The car filled up to about chest height while the men were sitting down. The good guy was trying to call me for help, but he only had a radio to call through. The radio was water damaged, so he couldn't get in contact with me. He got increasingly more panicked, saying he was claustrophobic and he needed to get out of the car. The good guy was a little overweight, so he wasn't going to fit through the window opening. After some time trying to figure out what to do, the good guy said he would just squeeze through the window. He couldn't stand being in the car anymore, and he needed to get out. He started to squeeze through the window, and in the process, his stomach was sliced open. His intestines began to unravel from inside him as he quietly wheezed. His eyes were wide and fearful until he gave up and just began to float. He was attached to the car by a bit of his intestines, floating outside the window on top of the water. He was still alive, mouth opening and closing like a fish out of water. 
His face was pale, and he was just gurgling. The bad guy's eyes lit up when he watched this. He smiled. He was extremely skinny, so he just slid right out the window. He eagerly watched the other guy choke and gasp and die. Then he shook the dead guy's hand with a smile and left. Any ideas of the symbolism behind this nightmare? I was really shaken up by it, and I couldn't sleep for a few more hours. The images of it have been haunting me all day. So that's a sobering dream, but there's a lot of meaning in it, so let's dig in. So first, the dream geography. The dreamer says that they're on an island off the coast of her hometown, but the island's mostly undeveloped and it's just unpaved roads and big tall reeds or plants. Well, it's an island near the hometown, so we're not super far from familiar territory. It's not like we're traveling on the other side of the world or anything. So this is relatively close to her ego consciousness that this dream is taking place. And it's on an island, which is surrounded by water. So again, we're at that border. We're at the shore. We're at the place where land meets sea or where conscious meets unconscious. So I think this dream is happening at a place where the dreamer's probably having to do some inner work right now, bringing some unconscious stuff back into consciousness. But it's pretty new territory because the roads aren't paved, they're just sand, and the plants are really tall and overgrown. The other thing about this dream's structure is that the dreamer isn't a main character in it. I mean, she knows that she's watching this somehow and that the good guy is trying to be able to communicate with her on the radio, but it doesn't sound like she's an actual character or passenger in the car. She's just a watcher somehow. So she's not taking a really active part in the dream. And I wonder if that's part of the message is that she doesn't feel like an active participant in her life somehow, maybe, or the parts of her that are represented by this good guy and bad guy have more ability to interact and get things done than she does. So we have two guys in the car and they're pretty opposite. So we've got a good guy and a bad guy. The good guy's overweight. The bad guy's really skinny. The good guy just wants to escape the car and the bad guy wants to eagerly watch the good guy die. So they're very clearly different parts of this dreamer. The bad guy probably represents some kind of a shadow figure, but he's definitely a figure that doesn't have empathy, that likes watching the suffering of others. And then the good guy is a sympathetic figure. The dreamer wants him to be saved. She wants to be able to help him by communicating on the radio. But he's so scared of getting stuck in this car that he climbs out the window and hurts himself and ends up dying for it. So they're in the car and the bad guy's driving and he drives down a flooded road so that the car gets partially filled with water. Now, he didn't drive into the ocean or the sea or a lake or anything. It's just a flooded road. And so to me, that's kind of stable. I mean, the dreamer writes that the water's coming up to like the men's chest or so, but we're not hearing that there's some huge storm going on or that the waters are rising or anything. To me, this really sounds like kind of a steady situation where there's water in the car, but it's not getting worse. And they were able to roll down the windows partway, so they're not totally trapped and they have air. But the good guy is panicking and he's claustrophobic and he cannot stay in the car any longer. He's got to get out. 
And so to me, this guy probably represents part of the dreamer that is a little too scared for what the situation actually demands. They're not in imminent danger of drowning, but yet he takes the chance of trying to squeeze himself through the window because he just wants out. So I wonder where that's happening for the dreamer right now, where she just can't handle the risk of what might happen, even if it's really unlikely, like them drowning in a car on just a flooded road. And so in her efforts to escape, she's hurting herself somehow. Because that's what happens to the guy. He tries to squeeze through a too small opening and he ends up slicing open his belly. And then, sorry for the graphic images, but yeah, his intestines come out and he's floating on top of the water and he's slowly dying. It's interesting that the fact that he's overweight is really what's a problem for him too and keeps him from fitting through the window. So I'm trying to think about what that might symbolize metaphorically. He's like overnourished. He's been fed too much. He's had too easy of a life somehow, or he's, you know, used food and nutrition and nourishment for emotional numbing like some people do. But somehow the fact that he's been the one that gets a lot of the resources versus the bad guy who's super skinny, so he doesn't eat very much, that seems important. Like maybe the dreamer communicates more with the good guy than the bad guy or feeds him more, metaphorically speaking, sends him more energy somehow. He's the scared one. The skinny bad guy doesn't seem to be scared. So maybe it's that the dreamer is feeding the fear part of him. Maybe that's why he's bigger and overweight and symbolically larger because she has focused more on her connection and relationship with that claustrophobia fear aspect of him. And so he ends up dying and the bad guy has no trouble just getting out the window and watching him die kind of eagerly. And then he shakes the dead guy's hand and smiles at him before he leaves. So to summarize that a little bit, I think we have two opposite guys in a car that's filling with water. So unconscious stuff coming in and rising up. The good guy wants the help of the dreamer and is trying to talk to her by the radio, but they can't quite communicate, like she's not quite on speaking terms with him, metaphorically, somehow. Their communication's been interrupted. And so he decides he can't stand it anymore. He climbs out of the car and slices open his belly and ends up dying because of that. And I think that's about wanting to escape from a situation too quickly, a situation that wasn't really quite as dangerous as he thought it was. And he paid the price by dying. And then the skinny bad guy, the one who hasn't been fed as much and doesn't have as much weight, is able to escape and take pleasure in seeing the good guy die. So it's like the good guy's fear has led to him kind of feeding the bad guy what he wanted, which seems to be to witness death and destruction. So all that does not sound like fun internal dynamics at all. And I always get nervous sending interpretations like this to people and put in disclaimers about, you know, if this doesn't click for you, that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that this seems kind of negative, but this is what I'm getting from it. And here's what she responded. I'm actually in shock at this. You're probably going to feel really confident in your skills once I explain my current situation. So first about the parts, I have dissociative amnesia. And so literally I have separate parts and my identity is fragmented. 
I recalled a major repressed trauma memory a few months ago, and it feels like I've been looking into the darkness of all the empty spaces where there should be memories. There's a lot of uncharted territory that I may never know the truth about. About not being on speaking terms with the good guy, since these memories came up, my communication with my different parts has been cut off. I'm unable to access them, and I have no idea what's happening inside. I'm unable to reach my good parts right now, and I often don't view myself as good. Lastly, I see some parallels with my past trauma. I'm not in danger the way I once was, and although I understand that logically, my brain and body don't really let me rest. As far as my nervous system is concerned, I'm in danger all the time. That fear often rules over my life, causing metaphorical death merely out of fear of the non-existent danger, like the guy in the car. I always also carry a shred of anger that by suffering the way I am now, I'm letting the people who hurt me win. Perhaps that's another comparison as well. Well, there you have it. I apologize for the whole novel, but it's astounding the level of clarity your response has given me about this. Thank you so much. That sounds like a lot to deal with. It makes me want to take a deep breath just listening to all of that. But even though this dreamer has clearly been through a lot with trauma and dissociative amnesia, her unconscious is still able to come up with these images that are such clear representations of her internal dynamics. And she says she feels like she hasn't been able to access some of those parts within herself directly, but clearly she's able to, at least through her dreams, and her unconscious is able to give her those snapshots of how they're feeling right now even though it's not a very happy snapshot at the moment. So I really appreciate her letting me use this dream. I think that sometimes people's dreams speak to other people too. And I just hope that by putting some of these images out there and showing how to interpret them, that dreams like this can help to bring meaning to the dreamer's suffering and possibly other people's too, if they're having similar internal things going on right now. Okay, this last dream is mine, and it's a little freeze frame of how I was feeling a few weeks into the launch of my podcast after I'd posted a few episodes and was feeling my way about. Here's the dream. A friend has brought me to a retreat where lots of people are learning this guy's particular way of interpreting dreams. She's hoping that I will be converted to his way. There are lots of different groups of people, like different levels of training, each group wearing different, elaborately colored clothes. We're in a big building with a peaked wooden roof that feels like a sanctuary, and I'm watching different groups interact and one be taught by the leader guy, but I'm sitting off to the side in an empty pew with my back to most of it. My friend comes over and asks if I'm going to join, but she can tell I'm not interested. She says, so you're not that serious about dreams in an irritating way that seems to question my commitment. I say, oh, I'm into dreams, but not all this, waving around at the hubbub. This is too much. The leader guy hears me say that and, instead of being mad, laughs and tells me, good job for being honest. End of dream. So I thought we might need a lighter dream after that last one. And I thought it was funny how this dream didn't try to hide its message very much. I didn't have to delve too deeply into the symbolism to figure out what it was trying to tell me. So the location of the dream is that I'm at a retreat of people who have come there to learn about interpreting dreams. 
and it feels like this big sanctuary church-like spiritual building where all these people are meeting. And at that point, I was interpreting a lot of dreams on Reddit, more than usual probably, because I was trying to gather dreams for this podcast and drum up some listeners and read how other people were interpreting dreams and just, you know, immerse myself into the world a little more now that this wasn't just a hobby, but it was for a podcast too. And honestly, when I'm reading other people's comments on or interpretations of dreams, sometimes I get annoyed and kind of upset. And the times when that happens is when people give their interpretation as this is what your dream means. This is the only thing it can mean. It's usually something negative too. And there's no other possibilities. I guess that just stems from, you know, human nature of wanting to be right or wanting our perspective to be the correct one or wanting other people to acknowledge that we know what we're doing or something. But I really hate that, especially for dreams. I mean, there are so many different interpretations that can be true all of the same dream. I can't tell you how many dreams I've read that have multiple layers of meaning that could mean different things and they all seem to make sense to me or to the dreamer. And so I do encourage you all to get on Reddit or talk to your friends about their dreams and try out your hand at offering suggestions and giving them ideas about what their dreams could mean. It's important that we talk about all this stuff and often other people can see more in our dreams than we can see ourselves. But please don't act like you're the expert and that your ideas are the only ones that count. That's the beauty that I find in talking to people about their dreams. I'll give some ideas and then because they're the ones that are in their head, they can broaden my ideas and modify them and make them more relevant to them. And then they tell me that and I can give more input again. And it's, it's a back and forth. It's a dialectic. It's a conversation. But dream interpretation is not one size fits all. And so that's one of the messages that I get from this dream because I'm at this retreat where lots of people are learning dream interpretation from this one guy who seems like, you know, the guru, the one that everybody has come to learn from, the one that everybody's projecting the authority and the knowledge onto. And my friend who seems to represent part of me that would be, you know, the typical follower wanting to be the good student and have the teacher tell her exactly what's right and how she can be the best. This friend wants me to join too. But the me in the dream, which represents my conscious ego, the most active part of me right now, is like, nope, <laughs> I can't even sit facing all this nonsense. I'm going to sit on this pew with my back toward it mostly and just take in the spectacle. And... She makes the comment, oh, so you're just not that serious about dreams because, you know, if I don't want to join this cult and put all my hopes in the authority of this guru, then clearly I couldn't be serious about dreams. But I say, no, I am into dreams and I do. I feel deeply connected to dreams and like I'm supposed to be doing work in this area, but I'm not into all that. I'm not into the costumes and the levels of training and the absolute authorities and the false air of we're the only ones that know how to do it right. And so I say, this is too much. And the leader guy hears me say it and I figure he'll be mad and, you know, get his pride hurt and whatever. But instead he just laughs and tells me, good job for being honest. 
And I think that's an interesting twist that my unconscious did, because usually I would have expected that authority figure to fight with me and, you know, fight for his own importance. But instead, he praises me for being myself. And that's psychologically important to me. Um, I spent a lot of my life being a really good student and a really good follower in a lot of areas of my life and being pretty divorced from how I actually feel on the inside. I was much quicker to consult other people's ideas about things and about me and what I should be doing than to consult my own inner compass. And so I just really like it that the final twist of the dream was that this respected leader guy, even if I wasn't respecting him, but a lot of people were, was telling me, it's okay, good job for being honest. And I think leaving room for my flavor of dream interpretation too. And so I hope that comes across to you guys. I mean, yes, in a way I'm setting myself up as an expert as far as this is my podcast and I'm trying to teach you what I think is important. But I also am really trying to stay humble with it and trying to encourage you to remember that there is no one right way for dreams and that you need to stay in contact with your inner sense of what makes sense in the dream. And I want you to develop your own skills and intuition and style as you get to know the ways that your unconscious communicates with you. Okay, I'll now get down off my soapbox. Thanks for listening. (laughs) So that's it for the show for this week. I'm actually traveling these two weeks. I haven't seen my sister and her four kids in like seven months since Christmas, which is I think the longest time I've ever gone without seeing them. And it still doesn't feel safe to put myself in a plane. And so I'm actually driving 1,500 miles each way from California to Kansas because I need to see them. So I've recorded episodes in advance for for these weeks. And next week, we're going to try something a little different. A few people have told me that they like to fall asleep to podcasts and that my voice is good so that I should uh, read bedtime stories for grownups. And I was like, that's an interesting idea. So I thought about it for a while, and I'm actually going to do a series of sleep casts that are meant for listening before bed. So I was thinking about what kind of stories would be good for that, and I realized that our dreams often contain archetypal elements that are drawn from myths. And I think once you know some of these myths, you may be able to recognize where in your life or in your dreams you're living mythically. Are you walking in the path of certain gods or goddesses? Are you on a hero's journey or a lover's quest? So I hope you'll enjoy the mythic stories that I read. The first one we're going to do is one of my very favorites, which is the myth of Psyche and Eros. So there'll be roughly 20-minute episodes, and it'll take several of them to finish the story. But I'm going to release one every day or two that last week, and hopefully you'll check it out and let me know what you think. As always, you can email me directly with dreams or comments at stuffofdreamspodcast at gmail.com. And you can head on over to my website at stuffofdreams.fireside.fm to find show notes for each episode, links to major podcast apps and books, and our subreddit. Thank you so much for listening, and if you liked it, I encourage you to tell a friend about it this week. 
let's get more people fluent in the language of dreams. Bye for now, and I hope you dream tonight.